ladies and gentlemen, welcome on back to the X-Men segment of the Wide World of Wargaming. We are officially all returned. Drew Bishop and Jeff Wilder, welcome back, gentlemen. Hello there. Is it nice to have everyone back together, finally? Drew, we're back. Back in the, the saddle again. Yeah, for the first time in, like, I swear it's been two months since we've had the full squad. Yeah, no, you're not wrong. You are certainly not wrong. Now we are joined by Robert Kukuchka. I hope I got that correct of these team shaking pilots. That is correct. Welcome and thank you. Robert is on as one of our official scum correspondents who had a very good week in competitive play. Uh, and then also when we have a little discussion later about what kind of tournament apps we would like to see going forward after, shall we say, the events of the Las Vegas Open. Um, he is our official technical advisor, and I thought it would be cool to have him on. So, first Thank off, you. gentlemen, we do have the Sith Taker Open over in Jolly Old, won by Mr. Tom Reed with, boy, I think I just said it, Boba Fett and Fen Rao. Um, I think this is even, this is a lower bid than the standard 17. Um, it's comparable. He, so you're, they're dropping the proximity mines yep. and going with the seismic charges and the cybernetics. So it went so, hull upgrade too. I, I think that's hull upgrade standard. It's pretty standard. Hull upgrade very standard. Yeah, you want that odd point break for Boba Fett. So I, for reference, I flew a similar list at um, Las Vegas Open. Uh, mine was prox mines, no contraband, but with the hull upgrade that came in at one eighty three, because mm. it actually dropped in price after the points change. Um, so this is prox mines are what eight. Um, and then Fox this is six, six Size for three. So he saves three there and then two for cybernetic contraband cybernetic. So it's a, yeah. so it's back to one eighty two bid, which I don't know if we've been seeing deep, that deep of bids, except for the mirror match at this point. I think it's literally Boba and Fen Rao that are bidding that deep. Like it's mm-hmm. that, like, that's it. Right. And you kind of need to with them, too, as far as, like, the mirror match goes, especially with the mirror match, to really make sure that you can get the upper edge on your opponent. And that's the, that's why bids still suck, because you're you're bidding for a, a specific mirror match, and whoever loses that bid by a point is it feels like an the, idiot. The game gets decided on that, yeah. yeah. You're a 70-30 underdog as soon as you lose the bid. Yeah. Interestingly, I mean, the so the original variant of this that we saw at Worlds was the Dutch Boba Fenn, and that had instead of Fearless, it had a crack shot on Fenn Rao. Mm-hmm. So that's for like the really deep cut. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, we're, we're we're seeing some variants. I mean, Fearless seems to be a pretty good staple on the Fenn Rao um, for obvious reasons, and then um, the contraband's interesting because. It, it, it works one of two ways. One, you're doing a talent roll and taking an action or a 4K and taking an action, which I find I don't, in that list, you're not doing those big red maneuvers that often. But what could be more interesting is the fact that, you know, everyone knows that Maul gives you a static force charge. But the more interesting fact is that you can regenerate that like a little mini hate by, by eating stress if you really, really want. Mm-hmm. And... I wonder if that's what the contraband's there for. Just for like, if you had to burn a, a mall charge, take a stress to regenerate it, maybe took a little too many shots, you can get contraband next turn to get you out of dodge. I mean, maybe, I would but say probably. it's worth it just for the possibility of a panic pilot. I mean, Boba Fett hates mm-hmm. panic pilot. 
That's very true. Right. Not as much as he hates Blinded Pilot. I've had that a few times happen oh. to me, and that's the saddest, saddest Boba Fett is a blind. Well, I mean, he's, at least he's got Maul. Yeah. Well, uh, true. But he wants those re-rolls. He wants to get in there, roll four re-rolls on an attack roll just to guarantee well, he's exploding he something. Does. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> fearless if you're running it because mm-hmm. boba fett really is in like uh, you could argue that boba fett is the ultimate and ram him down your opponent's throat ship mm-hmm. i mean both fen and boba like you know having flown it for a while now um it really is a range control list where you're skirting at range four just and then you engage at range one the following turn so you're playing that chicken game with your opponent where you're saying you can't shoot me, you can't shoot me, and then, you know, Fen's doing a two through five straight into the pack, and Boba's doing a three bank or a four straight boost into the pack just to try to get that, okay, now I want to run in that explode you kind of vibe. I just, is is seismic charges really worth three points there? I just don't... That feels like anti-struts to me. That's what that feels like. Yeah. Makes sense too, the, and the, you know that was the um, what is it? D posted the other day on the on the fly better, or it might have been today actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like you know you were if you're only bringing rocks anymore, if you're a swarm player, and if you're anyone else, you don't bring them because you're just giving your opponent something to to use against you. Interesting. So I I mean I, I want to ask a question here that I think probably most people know the answer to. Slave one's gonna go up in six months, right? I mean, like we've we've all. I, I feel like we already know that that card is undercosted. I mean, it's it, why didn't it go up this time? Why isn't it? That's a really good. Why question. isn't initiative costed in the first place? <laughs> wow. <laughs> they, uh, you know, here's a, it's possible that they're, that maybe they're moving away from initiative cost because of how many cards it straight yanked out of the game. Uh, I mean, yeah, but slave one is. If anything should be initiative costed, holy crap. Yeah, that's true. Because, yeah, I mean, Robert, I mean, it's what, three or two? What? Robert, the slave one cost is three points one or point. two? It's one, one point. I must have forgotten that that's a one point. Yeah, Jesus. it's, it's insane. Is it's three. crazy. It's crazy good for one point. Um. That's crazy. It would be crazy good at three. I mean, the thing. I mean, it's it's a purchase. It's a purchasable Hera's ability. The thing is that people didn't play it at three, and, and I think that the reason people didn't play it is that they they forgot that FFG took out the to do this. You get stress, and they've still sort of got that rattling around in their head, or still have that rattling around in their head at three points. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. <laughs> But yeah, at three points now, it would still be an an incredible bargain. So coming in second place was Mr. Julian Hood running uh, Fen, Boba, and then one of the new, I don't know if you would call him one of the new stars of Hot Shots and Aces, maybe the running joke. Um, Nom Lum, one of the new, the, the new, what's it called? Jumpmaster pilot. Um, kind of the ultimate punching bag where if you shoot him he turns his turret arc to point at arc to point at you yeah. uh 
and all he left on Boba Fett was Slave One, and he came in second with that. Yeah. Ooh, I mean, yeah, you think you can, you know, and again, it's part of these new pilots, right? You know, they think that, they, oh, I'm out of arc, and I'm just going to lay waste to him, and then it's like, oh, well, you know, turns out range one with a jump master, you know, modded is, is pretty good, right? Like, it's... Yeah. And it turns out that, you know, uh, native free rolls on uh, all attacks at range one are, is pretty good, and um, the native extra die on attacks and defense at range one is pretty good. Um, he doesn't have any weak ships there, so you got your tank in Nomlum, whose job is to just be the most annoying blocker in the world. You've got probably Fen as your main damage dealer, and then you've got Boba Fett flying up one side, going, "You can either joust me or joust Fen Rao." You know, pick your so I'm curious what Robert yep. thinks. Like one of the first hyperspace hyperspace lists that I built was um, two two bounty hunter fire sprays, both with contraband cybernetics. One of them was Slave One, and then Fen Rao with or without Fearless. You have room for Fearless with a one point bid, or or leave Fearless off for a, for a four point bid. I don't really see much point in either of those honestly if you're gonna bid but um fire spray is a strong chassis man and two of them yeah i mean it's a strong chassis um i think boba it becomes a very variant heavy um ship without the boba re-rolls like you can um um how do i put this you can um I mean, it's scary because of the butt arc, um, and it, it absorbs a, a crap ton. But when those two green dice start to fail you, it just starts to burn, and then crits start pumping through, and then you're just you're sad. I mean, Boba really doesn't want to engage outside of range one. Range three, if he's taken like a single shot, but like more, more than that, and you're starting to get a little sweaty because then you're like, oh boy, my green dice are just going to start burning. I mean, Boba's doing it with a force and a focus ideally uh, to defend at range three. But, uh, um, but yeah, no, it's a little tricky uh, uh, with multiple shots coming in. And then like once the shields are down, it, it starts limping along. It just starts accruing. I mean, it's a problem with any of the medium base and large base ships, which Scum has a lot of, is that like once you burn through the shields, those crits are really debilitating and you're just kind of limping along. Well, I mean, that is true, but then you've got the other one. True. So, I mean, it's literally. I like, find two of them in tight because I, I had for the uh, uh, the community event at uh, Las Vegas Open after I got knocked out of cut. I uh, I briefly flew. Um, I flew one game, and I was just not in it at that point in time. Um, and I flew um, triple bounty hunter with rigged cargo shoot for the lulls, and um, it was doing okay. But I mean, you can get those those blind spots for any arc dodger are huge. Um, and that's also its other big weakness, similar to like the arc 170 is those, those, those blind spots are considerable, especially in initiative two, you don't get a lot of agency to decide where you're going to go at that point in time. Right. Mm. Yeah. And as, as good as the fire sprays dial is because of their size and, you know, kind of the way, the way most people place obstacles, they can't really cover each other. All they can really do is focus. Like they can. They can put all their guns on one space and say, hey, if you fly in here, you are going to regret it. But 
because there are a lot of times it's interesting to fly them all away from each other and just try to trap people flying right between them and then just rolling one way is normally a pretty effective way to stay out of arc. I mean, they're pretty good blockers too. They do have the white, they have the white boost. Yeah. I think, I think the Sith taker list that they came in seconds, pretty compelling because yeah, you've got that bump master. I mean, that's really what you're rocking is a bump master. And then uh, the ion cannon just gives you some control. And then Boba and Fan are just looking to clean up scraps. So you just get that thing in there and just cause all sorts of chaos. And then your aces are kind of finding the seams to pu- pick off stragglers. Um, so I think that's a, it's a pretty interesting list. I'm curious to see, uh, you know, I think a lot of newer 2.0 players haven't flown against a lot of the bump master that we saw at the end of 1.0. And those things, uh, they can be pretty annoying. Yep. Yeah, uh, the other two gentlemen who made the final, the uh, top four were Lee Robbins running, you know, oh, look, it's a TA-175 swarm, enough said there, and Stuart Confrey running uh, Anakin fire control systems, R3, and advanced proton torpedoes. Hey, that sounds kind of familiar. Uh, <laughs> with heightened mace and a 7B and R4P17. Finally, somebody runs the most underrated droid in Republic um, with 7B and a shield upgrade. I really like that Obi-Wan build, mostly because Obi-Wan is still mad undercosted. But also, it's a 7 health small base double repositioning ship that on on a... Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? On a 5k or a sloop, you still get actions. Mm-hmm. Um, I've thought people have been, over- have been completely skipping on this droid for no reason for a long time. So I'm really impressed that Stuart got that far using it. And I hope more people start doing it because R4P17 is a great piece. And he just adds an element of what's the word? He adds an asymmetrical element and an ability for seven for the uh, what's the word? I'm the oh my god, I'm blanking completely. The ether sprite to red maneuver and fight. And if it's not just Anakin, I think, yeah, I mean, the. Problem with it is that it's only twice, it's five points, and it's encouraging you to do something that you, you probably don't want to do with a seven bead uh, ether sprite in the first place. I, I just, I, I mean, I think that's why people stay away from it. it it's, it's saying look do do your red turnarounds and everything in a, a force and ether sprite players makeup is like don't do turnarounds that are going to leave you stressed i understand you know i agree i think probably more people skipped on it just because regen is yeah. so strong um i don't think they were avoiding it for mechanical reasons i just think they were going for about what they felt was a better option but, you know, it's like we always say, what's better than being shot? Not being shot. And a booster or barrel roll at the end of a two-sloop can be the difference between getting blasted and not getting blasted. See, so you're a whisper player at heart there, Vince. No, I'm still a gorilla. <laughs> I'm just making an argument from hypo- from a, uh, a brain standpoint instead of my normal fly-everything-off-the-handle-from-the-gut standpoint. Gotcha, gotcha. Um, two of the other lists I wanted to point out uh, came in... 
Uh, one went out in the round of 16, and the other went out in the round of 8, right below this. Richard Polly and Sean Milligan. Jeff and I were talking about this before uh, the show started. The return, the triumphant return of Venny in the bomber. The, uh, what's the, what's the designation? I don't even remember. The, what's the, star, the fake the name star for the Fortress. Republic bomber. Resistance bomber. The Star Fortress. Trajectory simulator, pattern analyzer, perceptive page, VTG proton bombs, and seismic. And then perceptive, I think that's an identical build. Yeah, it is. It's yeah. just in a different order. Uh, Jeff, you're the Venny expert. Yeah, I, I think that you're overpaying for a veteran turret gunner in the build at the expense of taking me and Num instead of uh, Bastion. Um, not Bastion's not bad. Don't get me wrong. It's just that Neon Nun, if you can get Pattern Analyzer and Black One, Neon Nun is just a fantastic init five um, X-wing, and um, you're you're giving up that possibility. So, like my my build for this is almost the same. What did I do? I did um, seismics instead of protons. I I like seismics with the trajectory simulator. Um, the, the ability to throw a seismic into the midst of like three different asteroids and say, yeah, which one do you want me to blow up is, is really great. Um, and then I, then I use skilled bombardier, which is sort of a last second fill the slot choice just because that ability to drop a proximity mine after shooting is, or after being destroyed when you can reach out to range two is pretty good. Um, I, I just think that, that you're paying too much for that veteran turret gunner when it means giving up me and none. But with only three ships though, being able to shoot yeah, twice, shoot twice. Uh, I mean, out of two sides of a turret, right? I mean, you do get to move the turret, so maybe you can, you can work some shenanigans there. But still, I, yeah, I don't, I don't think it's worth it for for a two die gun. That's what, eight points. Aren't you? Hmm. Aren't you strictly speaking allowed to double tap with it? Hmm. Uh, with this ship, you can. Yeah, because right? it's Cause a turret the and then a, and then a, a, a set Correct. forward. You can do three on. out the front and then two out the front with the turret. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then you've got ZZ for probably what is the best A-Wing in uh, the game ZZ now. probably the best Automated 40 points in the game. I, I'd be hard-pressed to argue with that. Um, having having flown the last four lit, four games that I've played with her, I would I, I would say, yeah, she's... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it turns out on-demand uh, on tokens are probably pretty yep. good. Yep. <laughs> My last question about this is, but I'm I'm really happy to see these lists. Don't get me wrong. I think, I think that the Vinny, I call it a list, Vinny and the vets, and I think that it's a, it's incredibly fun to play, and it's it's not an MPE to play against, which is almost as important to me. I think the inclusion of M9G8 is really interesting on Bastion. Like, yeah, it procs with his you know natural ability to pick up target locks, but. Why would, you know, maybe you would go with the one that lets you um, spend a lot to reroll both your defense dice since you don't have heroic? Yeah, it's a good question. 
I don't like Bastion in the build, so. No, I don't like Bastion at all. But if he's if he's there, I get maybe it's a points thing or something. I well, M nine G eight is actually pretty expensive, so. Um, I think he's like seven points, something like that. Let's see. I just had his card open. Let's grab it. Yeah, he's seven points. So it's not a, not exactly a points thing. I mean, it's a really it's a really good ability. Like you said, it does synergize with Bastion, um, and it you know it's a way of giving Vinny double modded rerolls, possibly on two shots, since he's got the veteran turret gunner. Um, double modded, double shot. That's not that's not terrible. No, it's not. I mean, I'm just looking at R2, uh, R2-Ha, which is the spend-a-lock for defensive rerolls, and I, you know, to me, that looks pretty good on an X-Wing who already, you know, they we, we know they are, or sorry, on a T-70, which is already a fairly tanky ship, and then the ability to have fake heroic on a target lock, it's, it's not terrible. Yeah, I think that, honestly, if I had to guess, I'd say that... Um... This player wants people to shoot at Bastion. Um, M9, if they shoot at the at the bomber, M9G8 or Bastion gets his lock on the bomber, who can then return fire very effectively. Um, shooting ZZ is just silly. Yeah, um, I think that I think that this the these players want Bastion to be the target, so you don't want to. You don't want to put something on the ship that makes it less likely to be the target. I do right, want to point. Right. I do want to look at two more lists. Number one is Edward Ball, who went out in the round of eight with outmaneuver FCS Merrick, Vader FCS, and then two Tempest Squad pilots nice. with FCS. Yep. Um, pulling we off the. Those, uh, we talked about those Tie X ones, man. Yeah, you can do five of them with uh, yes. passive, which is pretty grody. Yep. That is grody. Uh, and the other one I want to point out is Darren Granger, I believe from the Weekend Warlords. Um, with Nomlum, Autoblasters, Triple Zero, BT1, Contraband Cybernetics, Four and three contracted masters. scouts with Ion Cannons and Contraband Cybernetics. They're, they're trying to figure out how to break it. <laughs> I, you called it, Jeff. As soon as it was possible, people were like, hey, let me put 40 health on the board with Ion Cannons. Well, I think another quick honorable mention might go out. Uh, I don't know if you noticed, but uh, coming in first overall in Swiss undefeated, but bowing out in the top 16 was our... Uh, our current world champion, Ollie Pocknell. The man, the myth, the legend, Ollie Pocknell, without maneuver, Fenn, and triple zealous recruit. Now, you're uh, sure that's the same guy? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yep. Oh, yeah. That's his thing. Yeah. I've been, uh, <laughs> wow. I, I, I chatted with okay, him Jeff. before he went just to see what he was what he was going to run. And, uh, yeah, he, he, he was going to try the outmaneuver out. Um, he said it, it, it made people fly against him a little bit differently having outmaneuver on Fen because you have um you have a range three threat with Fen now. So if you're flanking at range three, well, kind of like a more like a Sunterfell. Uh he his my words on his on that part. But uh it gives people some pause when a, a flanking Fen Rao is coming in from the side. Yeah, I mean which do you turn toward Fen Rao or three zealous recruits? Right. That's that's not a choice you want to make. So this, yep, this yep, might yep. be my hyperspace list. I've been getting some reps with it. Um, 
and then um but i'm currently debating between something like this and then the four fearless fangs which is a bit more of a sledgehammer approach but uh we'll see we do some more testing this is only this is only what a three-point bid i think yeah 197 yeah whereas you can put fearless on it and it becomes 194 with fearless on fen and then uh triple zealous and the nice thing with the zealous is you get a blocker the i4s aren't quite as good as a blocker right right oh what else um all in all though i mean it's a pretty it's a pretty diverse group i mean six of the top 10 of is six of the top 10 is scum though we've got one two three yeah i think six nearly two third or nearly a third of it is uh is scum which is interesting i don't know if people are just i mean there's clearly a lot of boba fen hype i think people are practicing for hyperspace yeah with the jump master too. How many of these lists have jump masters? Almost two or three. I have been screaming into my mic for the last three minutes, wondering why you guys can't hear me, and then I noticed I muted myself. <laughs> um, I wanted to say that there was another guy who ran uh, uh, Fearless Fen and Triple Zealots at this event, and he actually got cleaned up by a Rebel player running four Red T sixty fives and an Ion Cannon Y wing. Hmm. And uh, to answer the for the to answer the question of who do you engage in three zealous recruits, he <coughs> uh, went straight for the three zealous recruits. Yeah. I mean, if you don't get your range control right with them, then they just they're paper at range too. Having flown them for a while, you it's there's a delicate dance um, where you're still you're just constantly in fear. You you know, range three on a bad day, range two never, range one always is sort of the. The mindset you need to fly those with yeah because it's uh, i think we all know that it's really easy to roll blank blank focus evade uh at, at a, on a range three shot with four yeah, dice it's, it's, and then all of a sudden you're functionally offensively irrelevant even against the t65 yeah, absolutely uh yep. anything yep. else from here guys anything else kind of jump out we should throw a shout out to paul watley who did uh what we all dream we had the balls to do running DBS 404 and an advanced oh, proton yeah. torpedo. Um, You'll see a lot of them. DBS 404 no. is the one with the uh, No, no, no. That's 32C, but slot, uh, right? 404 is the one who crits himself when he, uh, but he can, he crits himself, but he can keep using a torpedo, a, a one use torpedo. Yeah. Uh, I think that, I, think I like the, well. um, I like number four <laughs> list. Um, the that Sloan swarm Oof. Alpha Spider pilots and then four of those and Academy pilot. That, um... I'm sorry, DBS 404 adds an additional die at range zero to one, um, and if after it hits, you suffer a crit. Yeah. So he rolls a six die proton to, uh, advanced proton. Yeah, uh, XY who won the Singapore or no won the Australia system open Singapore. was flying this at Worlds. Uh, he was he's from Singapore, but he won the Australia system open. Got it. And yeah. I think I heard somebody mention one of my favorite imperialists, which is the quad, uh, the quad interceptors plus the academy and Sloan. Yeah. God, yeah, interceptors um, are so. You either got a interceptors are so cheap. You got to core hound that, or you need to just eat the stress. Both of which suck. Yeah, I mean, you, but I, you, you know, stress, yep, but then yep. you're giving rerolls to all these. Right, that's what I mean. That's what, when I say you can core hound it, so you're basically getting them all weak without killing them, and then 
that's one option. Oh, yeah, that's 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 a little bit more finesse than I'm capable of. Yeah, it's like if I could if I could guarantee doing two damage to an interceptor but not killing it, I'd I'd, I'd be world champion. <laughs> Especially Robert, especially with Fen Boba, both of them are very easily capable of one tapping damage, a, yeah. a three hole yeah. ship. Yeah. Like especially Fen. Especially Fen. Yeah, th- I think if I was gonna fly against this with Boba Fen, I would I would basically be dancing for a while and try to drag him across the rocks and then try I mean you could go for with Boba Fen, you could go for the um for the shuttle. Yeah. If you can get the right faint if you juke them right, and then then you go after that because that that once and also remember Sloan is in global Sloan's zero to three I think. Um, yeah, I think that's correct. So if you can, set- she's she's zero to two for this for handing out the stress. Yeah, she's yeah, zero yeah. to three for the reroll. I think I saw. Yeah. So if you can if you can create some separation, that's when you that's when you get go in and blow up some ships. So you really gotta you know be engaging at like forty five minutes in kind of situation, which is. It's. I've done that. I've done that before. It's a really tough. Tough to do. You got to like really, really, really play it properly. No, they're both zero to three. Okay. Oh, all right. I do want to point out, not a single rebel list. Nope. I think anywhere in the cut. Nope. Not a one. Anyway, uh, let's move on to Ace Comics in Queensland, Australia. And congratulations to the winner of this event, Mr. Dan Stallard, with Vader FCS, Pure Sabacc, Fifth Brother, Duchess, and a Planetary Sentinel. Mm. Um, and second place going to, boy, a, a list I just mentioned, Quad, Red Squadron, Veterans, and a Gray Squad Bomber with an Ion Cannon Turret. Mr. Thomas Dobbs. Um, Look at first before first after Swiss, baby. Yep. Whew. Definitely not a list I would ever fly. I would go out of my mind. It's uh, Rick Oli with Rick Olier with Daredevil and then Quad Jedi Knights with CLT. I've flown against this in our intra-squad like uh, crew. One of our guys flies this. It's solid. Um, you just kind of bump your Jedi Knights early and line up some bullseyes and then you can get some funky bullseyes and those, those Jedis are annoying to kill. And there's uh, yeah, second you... place is, is the uh, second place finisher after XY, Octacon. Oh, yeah. And it, yeah. Mm-hmm. He, he's going to the dark side because he was flying Rebel for so long. Now he's rocking TA-175. I've seen this 066. What? So strong, man. Yeah. It's, that list is so crazy. Yeah, the 066 is a solid, solid, solid list. Um. Also want to point I, I I want to point this out because we mentioned it before and it just annoys me. Even when I see it in the cut as a rebel player, it doesn't make me happy. Lando Luke Braylon. Yeah. I it's just it's yet there's nothing wrong with it. It's tough and it's extremely reliable. But it doesn't do the rebel thing, which is there's no mutual help here. Lando can be, but he usually buffs himself. Yeah, I mean, when when you're running this, you're really talking about yep, everybody's yep. double modded every mm-hmm. turn. Yeah, just efficiency. And yeah, I like it. Meh, you know, like it. I'm the last person normally who argues for for a, what do you call it theme or fluff, mm-hmm. but to me, it just doesn't. 
that does it never looks to me like you're gonna take that to an event expecting to win the whole thing with them it to me it feels like a top eight or a top four list if you're that good but you're gonna lose to the first guy who can just fly circles around your falcon and braylon i like the uh Right below him, Samuel Johnson, Dengaroo yeah. plus Fen Fearless. Ugh. Yep. Dengaroo's Good. back. Jesus Christ. Uh, uh, they are inevitable. So, don't say that, Jeff, because I was going to ask, for someone who doesn't know about the bad old days, what is Dengaroo? So... <clears throat> Some, I don't, I don't actually remember. I remember the first time I flew the list, I, I'd read about it online and I thought this can't be that bad. I'm going to take it to a tiny little event with like seven people. And it was just my first time flying it. It was absurd. The basic idea of it was there was an astromech that let Dengar ignore stress. There were, it could carry, the jump master could carry two torpedoes. Mm-hmm. So it was loaded with torpedoes. Manaru could pass all of her tokens, including, by the way, uh, target lock tokens and everything mm-hmm. across the entire board. So basically what you had was a Dengar who just piled up 10, 20, 25 stress. It had zero effect on him because there was a there was a crew that, that gave you re, that gave you rerolls. There was a crew that let you ignore green tokens on the on the target. Um it was a. It was pro. I think it was the first broken list, mm-hmm. like seriously, seriously broken list that yet was fun to fly. So yeah, the, it, it it was essentially um, <clears throat> Dengar's ability was not a one time use, Vince, and so the Astromech allowed you to take a stress Correct. token to keep your focus token after you spent it. So Manaru would fly herself in a corner and focus every turn while Dengar flew up in front of somebody and said, every shot I make against you and every shot you make against me, I will have focus mods. Um, and, and it was just... It locked to launch the torpedo and um, it, was, it's, it was nasty. And, and it was like um, the Jump Master had a much better dial than it does now considerably better yeah. dial uh including a white left sloop um, yeah. and the turret was 360 so dengar didn't even care if he bumped yeah. he didn't even care if he had actions because manor was going to pass the focus token to him yep and he was never going to run out of focus because of that damn droid he spent it right he got it right back and this is when yep. when you know yep. nowadays we have the parlance of a of a red lock as a token you know i think this has come up in some rule discussions i've seen recently where people are saying, oh, can Rush pass the owning target lock? You know, I guess we would call it the blue one, right? Especially for all the older players who have... Except that doesn't exist anymore. Exactly. exactly. That, that is not a token that exists. That's a marker. The, the originating side of the lock is a marker now, not a token. And they, they carefully worded Manaru to not make her... Because it used to be you would pass your originating uh, target lock to to Dengar. It's like, so Manaru would target lock and then just pass it to Dengar because she wasn't going to do anything. She was a support ship. And then then all of a sudden, Dengar is fully modded and just angry. Um, yeah. And, but yeah, so, I mean, 
now it's range zero to one and she only passes green tokens so it's obviously significantly more diminished but she bumps and what is she i think she's ini two so again you, you kind of truck in there take up some space focus and then it's like oh no i don't have a firing you know option this turn i'll just give my focus to dengar i three she's i right minaru is uh initiative oh, she's three. three now and that minaru's the one with punishing yeah. one by the way I guess it's just to give her that three die front arc, and so you can have yeah, 180. Yeah. So you uh, so you, you keep the front arc, uh, yeah, just so you can get a three die front arc, and then auto blasters on Dengar, so he trucks in, and I've seen also some people put uh, Greedo on Dengar. Oh yeah, yeah. So if you're getting six, Greedo, Greedo, if you if you if you shoot first, Greedo does not have a drawback. Exactly. So if somebody gives you. If somebody gives you the uh, first player, well, okay, that's fine. But now I've got Grito, who's who's giving me a crit with no drawback to me at all. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, last one I want to jump, uh, I want to point out at this one is so, uh, Aaron F- uh, Firminger. Mm-hmm. I'm going to try my best on that one. Coming out of uh, fifth place out of Swiss with Tally Greer, Zari, and two blue recruits. Now, here's a question Is there a reason? Mm-hmm. There it is. Why, Why not? Busy? I, really, I like. I want to know. I, like, as one of the world's devoted Greer fan uh, fanboys, no. and also, why wouldn't you replace Tally? Like, is it, you know, is the adaptive optics on a blue squad worth not going to ZZ? No, this is um, this is. I think I'm pretty sure this is Bartage's world's list. Might so be ba- just not legal yet, or uh, you know, yeah, might have been. Yep. Yeah, so Bartage is a Polish player. He's come in top eight. Um, he came in top eight at Worlds. Uh, is a very accomplished A Wings player, um, and I'm pretty sure this was the list he was flying at Worlds. So someone might have just been going with what they know because I, I've seen the variant of this that takes ZZ and then what's the named INI two of the RZ twos? Yeah, Ronit. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. the one that seems to be the the five A RZ two list. It's that one's really nice. Jeff does not like Blario. Uh, I suggested that Blario would go very well in a list with Venny, and Jeff poo-pooed even that. So, um, But all right, anything else? Guys, mm-hmm. we do sometimes like to peruse down into the salt mines, into the, the 10s and 20s, if there's anything that jumps out. Um, is there? Five X-Wing. Yeah, just straight up oh, five Jesus. blues down there at 38. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, um, tells you how good that is. I mean, you know, you've got you've got good lists down here where it's just somebody had bad or didn't fly well. Um, you've got another you've got another five X wings without ZZ. I I'm baffled by that. I I'm just five A wings, five A wings. Five A wings. Sorry. Um, I mean, it could also be they just it's Australia. Maybe they that, just don't have the fair. product. I had not considered. It's quite that. possible. I can't, was, think uh, was, I can't think yeah. of a reason not to if you've got the product. I really <laughs> Someone was trying really hard to uh, test out that auto maneuver out the uh, rear arc with Crassus. I don't think it's as good as people. There was a lot of theory crafting on that. There's a, some yeah. debate. There's a whole episode on it with the Fly Better guys talking yeah. about talk Multiple episodes, I think. Any Anytime you're working to... To make yeah. something in the rear arc work, you, you're yeah. 
making things harder on yourself. You're flying and, and, naturally, basically. Also, especially if you're doing this, why wouldn't he have just found the points for a damn pro, yeah. uh, prox mine? I think the thing is, I think outmaneuver out the rear arc is just not that compelling because having flown a lot of fire sprays, 90% of the time when you're fighting out of the rear arc, it's because you're being chased. You're being chased, exactly. Like you, you're saying, okay, I'm going to disengage and shoot. And, you know, yes, please chase me while I navigate. Um, so you're just not going to, I don't, I think the opportunities for that. Whereas I think something like a snapshot on Crassus is I'm a bit sure more compelling. I'm not sure snapshot would work. I think it does. Uh, on Crassus is a very special okay. case, so it probably does. Um, for the same reason that Outmaneuver does. So Crassus actually yeah. has... Uh, his rear arc is treated as his front arc effectively. Yeah, you may perform front arc okay, special yeah, attacks from your rear arc. That's and a snapshot yeah, no, has been. If it's exactly worded like that, then I agree it works. Yeah. One list um, I do want to point out only because it else? tells me that something I'm running probably doesn't work. Chris Brock at number 31 with Daredevil R4, Rick, two Red Bomber, uh, two Red Squad Ys. With protons and R4s, and then Battlemed calibrated Kenobi. Um, yeah. I'm looking at something a lot like this with mm. Battle Meditation Obi uh, Obi Wan, two Bravo Squad pilots with protons, and then Wolf. <coughs> and I'm wondering, mm. I'm wondering if like Wolf. maybe it's a dead concept. I just think Battle Meditation is still too high. I think ordinance has a place. Too expensive. Robert, you got cut off there. Yep. I was going to say, I think that, um, I think ordinance has legs right now. I think it's, but I think it's one of those things I think, you know, as I don't know if you mentioned last week as a LVO post wrap, but like both the game you and I flew against each other at LVO, there was, you know, some range control and you did have a little less ordinance heavy, but then I flew e against E-Wings again in my game six it was more ordnance heavy and it's it was a good player against me and he guessed he flipped a coin and guessed wrong i flipped a coin and guessed right and then i had fen like range three plus two millimeters <laughs> on the approach and he had you know double r3s in nave and so it's still a very um you still have to out you still have to fly correctly with ordnance to get it off and you have to fly very quickly against it to not get blown up, especially with these little arc dodgers. And it's, I, I think, you know, I, I think there's a, I think it's, there's something there. It might be better against lists where you want to blow up some things early just yeah. to get them off the board, like against a, a swarm list. The other, uh, Robert, I just want to say, and I'm putting yeah, this yeah. on air for right. everyone to hear. Robert and I had an absolutely ridiculous game at LVO, and I do not accept credit for that victory because I should have lost about four times. Yeah, as the, as the Brits would say, it was a cracker of a okay. match. Yes, it I will was, only uh... repeat. Robert has heard me repeat this <laughs> while bragging like 50 times. I will say this exactly one more time. I had an mm. E wing on two health fly through two prox mines, and then. Three health, right. On three health, fly no, three health, two three prox health. mines and dodge three, three dodge, all three damage shots from Boba Fett. Wow. Yeah. Oh my yeah, god. He, 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 he rolled blanks. He, he, he only took two damage from the prox mines both times. And I was like, I'm clearly going, okay. I, you know, I, I can, I can ignore this E-wing that's on my six right now because 
the dice are the first time I go, okay, that's unfortunate. Second time I'm like, okay, I Three got them now. Nope. And, a blank and I was just like, oh boy. Dice. Then, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was a good uh, game. Uh, you know, I'm, uh, I made the right decisions. There was maybe one or two decisions in that game that I would, I would change, but overall I'm happy with my decision-making and it was a close game points wise. And I, I was fortunate that I literally played a game of Luke versus two E-Wings immediately after it. So I had some warm up and I was like, I know how this goes. So yeah, he took out his, he took out his uh, upsetness over those bad prox minds on the guy. The guy came over to me afterward and said, dude, whatever just happened. What you just played this guy. Yeah. I hate you. you played in the, in the Swiss round, you played six E-Wings. Well, no, I played Luke plus two, and then Luke plus oh, okay. two. So, so two, two, two games. Yeah, you played your your round six or your round five and round six, yeah. right? Back to back. Yeah, my round five and round six back to back. It was basically similar lists. He had more proton torps, um, uh, but otherwise a similar loadout. And then I just, like I said, he, very good player. He's a player out of South LA, um, and uh, uh, but I, like I said, he flipped a coin on the approach. He guessed I was going to come in hot uh, after the range three um, or on the approach. He guessed I was going to come in hot to try to get inside of the um, torpedo range. I took the more conservative roll back with one hard and it literally the lead, the lead nave was out of range three by like two millimeters. And he was, he was pretty heart sunk at that point in time because he knew what was coming next. And it was a three straight boost from Fen Rao and a four straight in with Boba Fett. And I blew up a nave the first round of engagement before it could do anything. And then that's the turn where if you're the Ewing guy, you hit the yeet and both of your ships go five straight. Right. <laughs> Just... there's... No, there's no way you're expecting that. Yeah. None. There's not a player in the world who is going to expect two nave squads to go yeet yeah. against Boba Fett. And then you try, you hope that you catch Fen Rao. I caught him in a little bit of a choke point too. So there was some, there was some challenges with the, the, there was a little bit of rock placement. And then, so my approach, I'll, I'll take credit for my approach and kind of forcing him through some rocks. And, uh, and that, that made some, just that, that reduced the dial down a little bit, but yeah, it was, like I said, I think, I think, you know, there are times when that same matchup goes very different just because the player's making the calls and that's, that's competitive X-Wing, right? It's like making those in-the-moment calls. Hey, uh, guys, uh, yep, yep, yep. Uh, list eight is uh, Inferno Squadron. Like, literally the four plus uh, three Academy pilots and uh, did, did pretty well. Made the cut. Scrubbed out after cut. But... Which one is it? Mm. I'm missing something here. Are you sure you're uh, right no, I'm not positive on Oh, you jumped, oh, did you I? jumped ahead. You're the French. Oh, I sure did. How yep, did that yep, happen? Yep, I didn't uh, 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 That's fine. We can move on to France. Jeff's yeah, I was going to say, I think we've I think we've exhausted the Ace yeah. Comics hyperspace trial, so let us move on uh, to... I, I cannot pronounce that. I'm just going to say this is a hyperspace trial from somewhere in France. Um, your overall champion, Jeremy... Mou uh, I'm going with Moulier. With uh, Darth Maul, Grievous, Kraken, mm. and six drones with two Discord missiles. Nasty. Discords are so They're nasty. Just so drones Darth are just so strong, man. It's like, God. He's even running Kraken yeah. and not TA-175. Well, you like that? Look up at number one. Look who came out number one in Swiss. 
Maul with a tractor beam, Grievous, the Scimitar title, and my longtime mm. favorite, K2B4. Yeah. Yep. This is very similar to XY's list from um, Australia System Open. He had Dooku. He had Dooku with the Scimitar and a tractor beam. Yep. So it's, you know, you can strain. I'll, if you shoot me, I'll add an evade result. If you take a, or unless you take a strain result, you know, this whole sort of, you're trying to get somebody to low agility so you can just nuke them with all your two dice. So diatons. three of the top four were separatists, drone swarms. Yeah. They're not going away. One, oh. two, four. Yeah, and the other one is Kylo and Triple Zeta with concussion missiles and passive sensors. That's It's annoying, I'll tell you that. It's... Yeah. I bet. Oh, the concussion I missiles being able to come out the butt is really, really annoying. Is it's very strong. Yep. Yeah. I forget. Um, does concussion? I does, if I actually put a damage card on you from concussion, does the concussion ability proc that turn? No. Okay. It's the following turn. No. The, uh, the ability pops before damage cards are dealt. Right. 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 Right, that's actually my that was actually my question because a lot of my I have a Fen Boba build that I was like, well, you know what, this list is lacking some damage. Why not concussion missiles, right? Mm -hmm. On on Fet. But I digress. Uh, I <sighs> want to point out one thing that's interesting. Well, not interesting. I think you could say predictable. The uh, the Nantex oh, is yeah. gone. Gone. Yeah. I mean, I think that I think the rotation enough, and then I think I do think people are starting to gear up for hyperspace at this point in time. I think there's a few extended bits, but I think already the the community is starting to gear up for hyperspace season. Uh, mm -hmm. So I think people are sort of mentally going, "Okay, I'm going to put that on the shelf, and we'll see. You know, it'll come back eventually." I don't know if it's going to come back. Yeah, I just found that really interesting that you know the Manantex is completely vanished, and I. I agree probably that ensnare not being legal is a big reason why. Mm -hmm. But I also wonder, is it just proof that the droid, the Trade Federation droid is probably still undercosted? I think I the droids think are. The droids, I don't, the drone, I don't you think mean the, the trade droids are undercosted. Yeah, I think that their support is may, is arguably undercosted. I, I mean You mean the relay yeah, droids? The relay droids, the ships that they fly with them, um, it's it's really hard to look at a at a Tie Fighter for twenty two points, and think that a drone is undercosted. Well, I, uh, the, difference you know the difference is network calculations, but the difference it, is also an agility down. Yeah, I mean, but you don't. But I, Jeff, is it fair to say that the the number of times you're going to roll natties is probably not as good as the ability to borrow tokens? Yeah, I mean, network calculations is so good. I mean, yes, in an isolation. It is. Yeah. It is, but the, so the ability to, let me, let me, let me try to give it to you viscerally. Like somebody shoots mm -hmm. at your ship with two agility and a three die attack, right? And he rolls three hits. That doesn't that feel so much worse? Even if you've got tokens, you can share your tokens, whatever. You you know you're taking damage. Your your ability to absorb damage is literally overwhelmed by the incoming fire. Whereas with when you've got the ability, yes, you may have to roll all paint, 
but at least there's a chance that you're going to roll all pink. But I'm at, I'm not making a judge. I'm not making a judgment on this from a how do from my feelsies badsies here. I'm like I think it's fairly obvious both from results and from just hypothetical that network calculate because it's offensive and defensive is better than a third agility die. Yeah. I think the thing is, if you, if you look at these, if you look at the players, like if you look at uh, Paul and I'm losing his last name, the, the yeah. co-finalist at the LVO. Um, oh, uh, Paul Olson. Yeah. Like if you, if you watch him play and I've played against him at Gen Con, um, really super nice guy, by the way. And I met at worlds and he remembered me and we were chatting. Um, but, uh, you know, he, having played him and watched him play, if he loses a droid, he's like, whatever, like he is like, he, he is methodical and machine-like and he, you, they think literally like the swarm because their nameless grunts. It's almost like you're playing 40 K you're like, Oh, that guy takes, that guy's dead. That guy's dead. That guy's dead. How big is my squad? That's like throwing damage now. Okay. You're looking at it in aggregate, less an individual. Like even though they're comparable points-wise, like I've watched the, the 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 CIS players, and they really do think like the entire board state. And they're like, "Oh darn, I was expecting to lose one droid. Maybe I lost one and a half. I guess I'm a little behind." And I look, that's similar to what I've been saying probably for a couple months now, which is the droids beat you on the number of times that. You, that you know they get to actually change their dice mm-hmm. um or the number of times that they roll you know that they roll two natties and then they bur- they hit you back with a network's calculate on top of the calculate that they get to keep like every time they roll two evades one of your attacks has just bounced off mm-hmm. and all of a sudden you're a full turn behind every time arguably every time that they roll two focuses and they burn two calculates you're a full turn behind. They've neutered one of your attacks, or at least made it so that you still have to shoot the guy again next turn. I had a game where I lost to a dude who had five health left on four ships. He was a droid swarm. See, that's why I think that the, it's the support put- ships that that make them so powerful. Because you can overload network calculations. Yeah, you can. It's just really hard with TA-175. Exactly. It's really hard with their support ships. And whatever support ship they use, whether it's Kraken or TA-175 or whatever, it's just it becomes so difficult to overwhelm an ability that's already so good. Um, I think, too, is, um, you know, the, the dial on the droids is... So, I mean, the fact also that it has a linked action, I think that's a good yeah. comparison point compared to a TIE fighter. Um, I think the fact that the um, TIE fighter, and I think, you know, the scum and villainy guys have said this almost a year ago at this point. When I look at the, the lowly TIE fighter, the Academy pilot, you look at it and you say, boy, this really feels like a Wave 1 1.0 ship, right? It's got no linked actions and it's just got some agility and it's got some defense. Whereas, that like I think it was Paul Heaver in an interview on uh, Fly Casual said like you pretty much always calculate. The only question you're doing is are you barrel rolling before you do the calculate, and so that that two hard blue on those drones lets you do so much because you kind of straight up shimmy over. Oh, you're gonna go that way. Let me two hard. You know, you're just constantly doing that whole game of like zigzagging with the barrel rolls to kind of reposition a little bit, and then you can 
you have that too hard. And if it's like, if one bumps, great. I got three of his buddies that have a calculate token available to him. It, it, right. Or if you're stressed from the barrel roll, you don't really care because if one of them dies, they all get a calculate. Yeah. Right. So you can, you can make the, you can make the sacrifice mm -hmm. um, and profit off of it way more than anyone else in the game can, albeit close to Sloan, but not even yeah, so. Yeah, right? it's, it's a strong archetype. And I think, I think we're still going to, people are learning how to fly against them. I think it's, that's one of the things because you know the com the conventional wisdom of against seer swarms was well you're not going to get seer the, the opponent's not going to give you seer um so I, I don't know what you know i, I see a lot of players and i, I watched was a duncan howard at pax unplugged fly against mm -hmm. paul and you know he came close and he certainly and it was impressive to watch duncan howard and duncan howard's a you know duncan howard pantheon of player but um you know, it, it's a tough matchup, and I think we're going to still see people are still going to have to learn how to engage against these things with the various archetypes they bring. You, you have to have an answer now. With every list, you have to have an answer. What happens when I fly against a droid swarm? I flew against a droid swarm at LVO game three. It was my closest win, and um, I got lucky on the engage, but also turn zero, you know, was very important, and he did, he did not have struts. He chose uh, Discord missiles, my opponent. Um, and I, you know, by the fourth obstacle, he was frowning and he literally said, well, this is the best turn zero I've seen against me all day. Cause I had blocked off all the turn in lanes and he had no good options and turn zeros. If you're not using struts, turn zero is the weapon you have against them. If you have first player, mm -hmm. like you have to basically make their turn in options really, really miserable. They are rocking struts. Then you got a different story. The last thing I want to say about droids, and then we'll get on to uh, we'll we'll get on to talking about that hypothetical tournament software. Um, there, the target lock on them probably hasn't come into play as much as it should. Uh, yeah, I think we're going to start yep. seeing yep. that when people learn that once you get into the scrum, it probably isn't worth being stressed if you're expecting to lose a droid. So just do your too hard, take your target lock, and then get ready to lose a guy. Mm. And I think once that mm. happens, you're gonna it's gonna become even even more dangerous to approach these guys. Well, there's also one of the um, one of the hyenas that you can spend a calculate to give a coordinate action to one of your network calculation I think buddies. That's 32C, so, isn't it? Yep. Uh, I forget. Um, Hang on, I'm going to go find it. But yeah, it's, yeah. But th that's a compelling thing is to say, okay, beginning of engagement, you know, which one's going to get a shot that I like? And you say, okay, you get a target lock now. Now you got a double modded droid who can do rerolls with yeah, network calculations. At the start of the engagement phase, you may spend one calculate to perform a coordinate action. You cannot coordinate ships that do not have the network calculations ship ability. And that's a white coordinate, by the way. But, I mean, he's usually yep. going to be using that on another bomber, I would guess, right? What if you just fly yeah, it as a... It, as a, it, it a also has a tactical relay. That's your tack relay. And, I mean, how much, yeah. Jeff, can, yeah, you, yeah. can you charge for five hull behind two agility dice and two reds? I mean, it's a jump master without the... Or, not a jump master. It's a tug. It's a tugboat with a, with a worse dial and no uh, tractor beam. Yeah, I mean it's it's a it's a tie bomber, just the 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 CIS version, but it can coordinate. 
I mean, what was the old upgrade we used to see in the Thai bombers back in the day to make them a crew carrier? One point in the day. Oh, it was just the uh, the, the Thai ship. Yeah. But so last thing, so folks, anything like out, of, out of uh, Vive la France that is interesting. Uh, we've got a blue two blue squad escorts, two blue squad pilots, and a ion cannon gray squad. Not you know, not bad there. Uh, well, I'm gonna. I'll mention the Inferno Squadron again, which yep. is Rock'em Ruthless. Three copies of Ruthless. I think that's more than I've ever seen in any Ooh. combination of tournaments. Except for the one where it was free, I guess. Right. Wasn't that Coruscant two years ago? Yeah, the Coruscant. Um, right. How about yeah. this? Yeah, this is a... David uh, Perrin? This is a... David Perrault? Yeah, a fluffy, fluffy list, I guess. Is anybody looking at number six overall? Yeah, that, that, I was looking at that list as well. Yeah. Um, that was interesting because we're starting to see people experiment yep. with the uh, M3As. Yeah. And they just had the bounty hunter in there, I guess, just to make some space. Sarasu for that approach. Quinn is the one. Oh, I forget what the Quinn one that, has, that can recharge um, one of his charged upgrades, I think. He gains, yep. oh, yeah, he yeah. gains a disarm to Gain recover disarm. one energy on one of your equipped upgrades. He'd be really cool with a stealth device. Interesting. Hmm. And then Layton when is you, another when one. When you miss Layton, you get an evade um, token. So if you start shooting at Layton, you right. better hit because Man. it's going to suck to keep, you know. Well, with with, with Sarasu as well, that's going to be one tanky... Uh, one tanky Leighton, and, and I, we're starting to see people experiment with the the Seeks, and I, I think that's an it's a compelling ship because it's supposed to be kind of the A wing of the Scum Arsenal, but we haven't seen a ton of it. Um, I'm a fan of the dial, but it, it's one of those things that also suffers from lack of linked action, so it really needs to be carrying. You have to utilize yeah. the hard point. Like if you want to action and scum, that's, I mean, go to what's a changed is now the hard points are worth carrying. You've got you've got auto blaster, you've got tractor mm -hmm. beam for for weakening the mm -hmm. for the rest of your shots and so forth. Um, yeah, that's what's mm -hmm. changed with them. Plus, that came down to price. Is anyone else surprised? That... Sorry, oh, yeah. sorry, Robert. Uh, I just wanted the to toys. jump. Uh, throw this last one out there before we move on is anyone surprised that we're not we're still not seeing people experiment with the tie fos well we did it lvo no, right? i mean the named ones there's you know nobody's really running the pan any combination of more than you know it's still just scorch it, it's just uh the 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 epsilons are so efficient at 25 yeah. points um, the named ones just, it's like not their abilities that they give them are not missed, are not worth, um, losing the blocking ability, not all moving at the same time. Cause their inits are all over the place. Um, so, and losing a ship or at least one ship, it's just not it, at this point, it's not worth right, it. You know, possibly, but here's the question. Where's the Focho in anything we just looked at? Uh, I don't think that probably the gospel of the Focho has made it across the Yeah, they did yet. take a little time even to pick up on uh, CIS swarms, which I remember. I mean, it's a tiny, tiny European meta. 
Fair enough. <laughs> I think the one FO that I'm curious we're not you. seeing used he pops is up. I played TM against him at LVL. He's very interesting. Where you? I think I'm confused by by the lack of Muse, like, but I think that as proud tradition comes along, we'll see more Muse. Yeah, Muse. You want it? You? I, I, I flew against someone using Muse online. I think, and it's like. You, 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 at first glance, you're like, oh, this is a perfect wingmate for Scorch. Right. Then you read it again. Yeah, because of the sad. timing. Um, I think it's probably yep. a better... Uh, I've always yeah, thought Muse yeah, is probably yeah, a better yeah. teammate for Kylo. Mm -hmm. I, I'm, the big thing with Muse is I was, I, I was trying to build an FO, a hyperspace FO list, and the thing that I kept running into Muse was I'm wanting to use like um, Omega I, Squadron uh, Aces with um with uh, proud tradition and then you throw muse in there and muse is a two instead of a three Can I ask you and that's that seems like a little thing but right. it's a Can it's a pain in the butt just about order of operations so the glitter stim guy uh commander malarus says at the start of the engagement phase you may spend one energy and gain one stress token if play if you don't you when you're doing in start of the engagement phase abilities don't you you go by player order, then you go by initiative order. So wouldn't you be able? To, so wouldn't Just you be able order. to pop Malaris's ability, and then uh, because Muse is a lower initiative, her ability would proc after his. Well, you you proc them in the ability that, in the order that you want, but the, okay, the answer is yes, it would work. But. It, I thought there was something where, like, if you can't pay the cost, then oh, right, the right, right. Timing so, window. but is Muse a cost? No, Muse is just a if there's something stressed within zero to one think of you. So, let me see. Yeah, so okay. that would work. I just want to make sure. Just fine. Yeah, uh, I mean, the problem mm -hmm. is that. It, it, getting the target lock and the focus is the hard part on that guy. It's not the, mm -hmm. it's not the stress. Stress is sort of just the, eh. But all right. Um, I think we've exhausted pretty much both of the hyperspace trials. Uh, we do thank all participants involved for giving us this brilliant mm -hmm. fodder with which to consume. Um, Jeff and Robert are both uh, quite, I won't even say agnostic. I will say quite negative about the best coast pairing software. Um, I have used it for years, uh, coming over from 40 K as I did. And I, I, because I have a person, I will admit to having a personal investment, not monetary wise, but person like actual personally, I know Paul McKelvey, I know Garrett, I know Casey, I know pretty much everyone involved with the product, putting aside what exists now in your experience with anything else. So cryodex, um, I don't know if you guys ever use tabletop TO, or any other personal products from the ground up. What do you guys think mm -hmm. are the four most important functions of a tournament packet of a tournament pairing software? And would, do you think that usability is more important or is having a hundred percent reliability more important? So let me, let me first say that I, I am not anti-Best Coast pairings if it works. <laughs> um, 
it's my experience has been about 80% with best coast pairings that it just doesn't work. So I, I, if, if it worked as it intended, if, if all of the features that it has worked, I think I'd have no problem with product at all. Just to make that very clear. Uh, I think my one, uh, let's, let's, I would say putting aside, um, depend, dependability challenges. I think the one thing that uh, I dislike about BCP's business model is the, I like giving the data out for list fortress and stuff like that so that we have all these metrics. Um, and I know that their business model is to, to try to monetize the data. So that's, that's one thing I think that's sort of antithetical to my goals using software. So I think that's, but that's a business model question we don't have to go into. Um, uh, I think more if we want to talk about this from a technical perspective, I, I can I can go on that. You have to. I mean, I think that the the answer to Vince's question is almost self evident. It's you have to say reliability is the most important thing because when it comes down yeah. to it, if you have to do it with pencil and paper, the most reliable tools that you have available, you do it with pencil and paper if that's the only way to make it work. Right. I mean, let's 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 sort of start at the top. We have a tool that's used by a niche market, and there's a, a fairly large population of uh, war gamers that are using this kind of tool uh, weekend in and weekend out. So, right. I think that's a fair statement. So, we, but it's still a niche product. This is what I would call more of a professional tool, less of a. Um, you know, consumer application that you download and use for fun, right? Like this is a, it, it's intended for tournament organizers to efficiently run their tournaments to cut down on their uh, nervousness and energy. Um, it's intended for the, you want to onboard the clients as quickly and as efficiently as possible to run your tournament. And then yes, there are the power users so that, you know, I think when we talk about this, let's talk about in the context of X-Wing. And let's say, okay, we've got the, you know, who are the people using this app? And naively, you might say, well, it's the TOs and it's the players. But I think we can even go a little bit, um, um, it can, it's even a little bit more broader than that, where you've got uh, TOs are clearly a power user and they need special functionality. You've got um, players who are really into it and they really like metrics and they want access to that data and they want to see list matchups. So you've got the, the, the higher end competitive players who, uh, you know, I've checked in, I want to see what lists I'm flying against after I check in because people who list sniper dogs, we don't like that, but people who, you know, want to see, okay, what's my matchup this game? What's my mat? Who, who's doing well, you know, but then you've also got the people who it's their first tournament. They show up. They don't know what why this is all happening, but they are going to log in. They want to get quickly in and use it. So th those are sort of three, you know, personas we could talk about in the context of list software. You know, I think the most important one is the tournament organizer because they, you know, if you go to those fallbacks that Jeff mentioned, um, they're the people who are eating eating the time and effort. Well, everyone's eating the time, but they're eating the effort, I would say. Yeah. So, so yeah. So for me, it's like reliability obviously is important. I think those TOs, uh, 
need, need, need to be able to know that they're not going to get corruption in their data. And, and to be fair, I know at Worlds, there was a Cryodex corruption. They literally had to burn an extra half an hour because there was a Cryodex corruption on one of the days of Swiss. So it's not isolated to BCP. I mean, as a technologist, technology is fallible. Trust me, I know. Um, but yeah, so I think your prime, prime directive, if you will, uh, is making the tournament software run and then you have all the data and, and being reliable and your connection. Like if you're, if you're going to be using uh, a distributed service for data, you need to be able to have that connection up and running and usable. Uh, but there are challenges with that. I know, um, you know, are you in, in Phoenix system open internet was pretty crappy inside of the, the play hall. This was last January, mm. 2019. So people were struggling to get on. And, and I don't even know if that was a BCP failure. I think it was just the fact that you're in a Faraday cage of concrete and wire. And it turns out RF signals kind of suck there. So, you know, I think the X-Wing community tends to do tournaments on the cheap, which is, you know, for its size is appropriate. But like, if you really need to run, if you really need to run web software for your tournament, you should probably have a, like a Wi-Fi setup that's going to distribute inside the room to have some data, like, but that's, that brings a whole bunch of other questions as to giving people Wi-Fi access. So, Robert, you're the technology man. That's why we brought you on. And I want to ask a dumb, completely right. uneducated right. question. Um, should any mm -hmm. tournament software have the ability built in as a program to take in data and generate pairings regardless of an internet connection? That's an interesting idea. So if I can run the pairings... It's something I've been thinking, of, <clears throat> pardon me, you know, after LVO's challenges is, you know, because you have, there's different concepts, but I, I, it'll be interesting to be like, okay, what if we have a computer that's local and it has all the initial login data, I can do the pairings, and then lazily I can upload the data afterwards for people to look at and see on, like, that seems like we're moving you know, we're getting that reliability back and then the the niceties of your friends and podcasts being able to look at results come up later, right? That's like that cool. that's a compelling Cryodex, idea right? is to say, okay. Well Cryodex is Cryodex is still very manual, right? Like at the end of the day, yeah. you have a file on your system and it's not connected to the internet and people are writing parsers that'll parse cryodex data and convert yeah. it to list fortress data. but i mean at this, at this point it is what? you're you're taking your json file and you're just you're dragging and dropping it somewhere basically once the tournament's right. done uh, right so i mean i could foresee the idea of something like okay um you know, running the running the system and then and if it's like okay if my little heartbeat from the server isn't working I have all my data persisted locally. You know, now we're talking though that, you know, now you're going to have to have a, a database locally because right now my assumption is going to be that BCP is doing basically database transactions across the wire and the truth is the server, which in any video game is how things are done. If I'm playing StarCraft and my client can't connect to the truth, the truth is on the games, it's the server side, not my side locally same thing for any other player versus player game right like the everything is the truth is on the server whereas if you 
invert that and you say the truth is local and then the server gets told what the truth is, that seems like a, you know, a way for TOs to recover from some challenges. You're basically just talking about choosing which direction the sync, uh, this, which, which direction yeah. of sync wins. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, who, who's the truth? Uh, and, and when we talk about databasing and persisting of, you know, persisting knowledge and information, we say, who's the truth? And, and you can get into circumstances, you know, depending on more complicated systems where there's merges of truth and that gets, that's far less compelling for our use cases, but it's, it's, yeah, who's, who is the truth becomes an interesting question. Cause if you're always saying the server is always right. And, you know, for players, that can be frustrating if you have an app and you say, uh, but it says this and it says that. So what's the user experience? So the user experience in this scenario is the tournament organizer launches the tournament organizer variant of their software. And then there's a local database that's made and that's the truth. And then they press pairings and then they press sync and then it pushes all the pairings up and players get it because i'm assuming right now that with existing software you're pressing a button the server does some randomization and it says here's the pairings and everybody downloads it right that's sort of the, the probably the normal mm -hmm. use case so now you've got this okay i've got a locked vault on my computer nothing can go wrong with it you know presumably database transactions aren't failing um, locally I can generate that and I can print out a list and I'm happy. But then when that little server heartbeat comes back up, it goes, okay, here's my list or here's the pairings and people's phones get updated maybe lazily. And that's less ideal, but it's compelling. I think it, it, it gives the tournament organizers a certainty. Um, yeah, I think that's a compelling statement. And I mean, you're, you're, you're operating on the assumption already that every member of your tournament is mobile connected so you're not you're not having to engage more with that assumption than you would already well i mean i think everybody who goes mm -hmm. to a major to any kind of event these days that is using any kind of software is at least mobile adjacent you know what i mean oh yeah like, but the thing is vince you mm -hmm. you'd be surprised how many people mounted very strenuous very serious arguments against electronic uh, squad builder and points based on the fact that they didn't want to carry a phone. And I was like, are, are you in 1993? I don't understand what's happening. What, what are you talking about? I mean, I think there's a demographic that is technology right adjacent. Raising and, hand you know, as high as humanly possible. There's a... <laughs> but you might think... I can understand uh, that the the neo Luddite-ism because there's we, we software is still you know I think in modern days software tends to be buggier than we would want it to be because we're doing a lot you know a lot of the modern companies like startups their philosophy is move fast and break things right so regressions are something that comes out frequently um, so we've gone from software being like, you know, every three years coming out to every three months coming out and people are just iterating fast and doing all sorts of crazy stuff. So people are getting a little gun shy of that. That's a, we can, I don't want to be too much of a technologist and well, let, let me go ask, off into let that. Let me ask right a now. practical but question, just a very serious practical question. 
Do you guys think that there's anybody who did not mm-hmm. attend LVO because they don't have a mobile device? No. Yeah, not a single person. Right. No. Um, it's just, you know, it's not a... The mobile connection issue is we can, for, for our purposes in this thought experience experiment, everybody's got a mobile device that works. I think probably... And I, I think, I think the bigger one question is, I think ahead, probably ahead, one thing you may still have to worry about is people who don't spend money on a on a like an actual mobile data connection. There are people who you know really do just mm-hmm. use Wi-Fi, and but that's more about a venue choice <laughs> than it is a tournament uh, app decision. Yeah, yeah. I think you know. I think that's a you know there are solutions you can come up with. But like they're expensive. Like if you go to any convention center for, for professional, my, my in my professional life I go to conventions um, now and then, and there tend to be um, hotspots created by the convention for the convention. And but it adds costs. And like I say, you know, tabletop gaming is yeah. low margins, especially for running these community tournaments. And ninety percent of the time, these people are doing it for the love, not for profit. Right? This is not. You're already paying out the wazoo for the venue, um, so trying to add these little like nice to haves. You know, what, in my professional life, when I go to conferences, it's a bit more required um, for part for the course. And these are, you know, fifteen hundred dollar conferences. You know, very different from a thirty dollar LVO ticket. So I think we need to be grounded in some reality. Um, but yeah, like if I could run local software like if i could run a local piece of software and um have it be the truth and then have it upload automatically whether i manually press it or it 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 says okay while you're out judging i'm gonna oh i found a i got a i got a heartbeat from the server again i'm gonna say hey here's what's going on like i think instantaneous server-side permatruth is is nice but I think for tournament organizers, you almost want that certainty of my laptop yeah. says the truth. I'm the TO, mm-hmm. my laptop yeah. says this is how it is. I mean, honestly, with, with the technology where it is now, my tablet says, you know, my tablet can handle this. Oh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, these are not, you know, these are not um, complicated transactions the 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 size of data we're talking about like if you took every bit of metadata available to an x-wing tournament you know we could say uh what's your list that's pretty trivial metadata we could say what obstacles are you running that's some that's bytes of data this is this is all small scale compared to something like an amazon database or something like this is this is very tiny database um stuff we're talking about here and you can come up with a schema that doesn't break easily you know you can come up with all that stuff um and uh yeah so you could easily run it on an ipad and then yeah like it says you know hey i just got a heartbeat from the server do you want me to push do you want me to update the server and the the tournament organizer says yeah i I think i I think there's merit to that just before we uh before we go here we're running up on the clock we running the clock up as we like to do um, evaluate, mm-hmm. like, can you kind of explain in fewer words, maybe than they did what happened at LVO with BCP and what they could do essentially to repair it? 
I, I can try. Um, uh, so AWS or Amazon uh, is a that's a very common technology that um, a lot of cloud-based computing is using, um, and it's a um, it's run for it's a way to have uh, tra transactions across the cloud, for lack of a better term. So it's doing cloud stuff, um, but basically they work on rate limiting. So it says, okay, you can have this many transactions per hour for free. And it's like, but if you increase your transactions per hour beyond a certain mm -hmm. threshold, we're going to start charging you. Um, so you can, so it's, it's instead of um, bandwidth usage, it's saying, okay, how many, you know, if we're going to drive across the Bay Bridge, do you have one lane open or do you have two lanes open? Or are you paying sure. to have every lane of the Bay Bridge open? And so I think that's probably a good example. And if you only have, you know, one or two lanes open, you're not going to be able to Jeff get all the cars that. through you want. And you're going to start. Yeah, you're going to start. You're going to start turning people away because you're so backed up and you say, well, you're never going to get through. Here. Look <laughs> at this line. Um, so, you know, I think it's one of those things where, you know, Working with cloud computing is its own domain and its own challenges, but yeah, you have to sort of estimate your peak usage and, you know, things you can do that you, you basically have to extrapolate because real time testing of like 2000 people hitting is hard to, unless you've got 2000 friends, you could say, Hey folks, we're doing a stress test today. I want everybody to hit this. You know, you have a team of beta testers that you trust and you know, and they're helping you likely not from remuneration, but for just because they like the product and they want to help out and they want to be part of the community. And that's a lot of what we do here is community driven. I know BCP is a business, but it's still the end of the day, they're involved in community. So you have to have within your community, your core community, your base and say, okay, folks, we need some help. We want to do some testing. And we go, okay, let's get her up and running and go, okay, let's extrapolate now. We're testing with 250 people and maybe they write a test application that's not like your usual thing, but it's going to just do a bunch of little transactions. It's going to go to the server and go, hey, 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 hey. And what happens to our infrastructure with a little test app that when I have 250 people up and what's my what's my rate limit looking like right now? Oh, I'm getting a little close. So maybe to be safe, I want to double you know my limit or you figure out some metrics. It, it is a learning process dealing with these cloud services to sort of figure out what your tolerance and, and risk to be fair to BCP. Is, is, I think in this case, the, the transaction limit that they actually hit and that, that backed up and broke was one that they, they genuinely did not expect. Like if they had written a test, mm -hmm. uh, a little test piece of software for it, that test piece of software may well not have tested the, the transaction limit that broke. Right. Yeah. And that's where the extrapolation comes in. You got to sit down and go, okay, with the X amount of people. And let's say what happens if we try to simulate some bad network conditions? Maybe you can, there's, there's ways you can work around these things and it's a little bit of alchemy and it's a little bit of science. Um, and you kind of have to, and the hedging, it's all about hedging too, like with these sort of things, because when you are talking about, you know, it's, it's tough because as a, as a provider, you don't want to, it's sort of like your cell phone bill. You don't want to pay for twice as much data as you normally get just because you might go over one day. You know, you want to, 
you want to ride close to that line, especially for smaller businesses. You want to pay just enough yeah, because that's their bottom line. That's a cost going out. That's a non-refundable cost. Um, so you have to be in a, and it, and it can take a little bit to, to get those numbers right. But I mean, LVO was a big, LVO was a big tournament. And, and, you know, I think there's learning to be had there. And I think, you know, I think any computer scientist or any software engineer is going to take a situation like this and then they're going to say, darn, that stings, and they're going to go back and start doing some calculations. I think that's, you know, but to be, I'm not going to hold to be them to fair to us, this right was now, the third major tournament where it was just a complete cluster. I think, you know, I, I know the one of the responses they mentioned, you know, the X-Wing community has been, a little bit more dismissive. And I think, you know, for me, I look at it and I say, I'm not going to rake them across the coals. That's not my, my goal here. But, you know, my experiences have been um, other than some of the smaller kit tournaments that we've used them at in the South Bay, any of the bigger tournaments, we've had some yeah, 30, 30 minute delays at minimum, I think in Phoenix. Yep. Every every time I know I, I have almost nothing to add to this conversation except for the fact that every time I have mm -hmm. done or or been to an X Wing tournament, large and small, uh, with BCP, it has always given us issues. Um, yeah. And you know the setback is nice, right? To get food, right? You know, charge yourself up. You know, sometimes these these tournaments, even small ones, can run for most of a day and drain somebody. So those breaks are very nice, hey, but yes, um, they are I'm certainly unwarranted and unwanted. Go ahead. Um, as far as TOs are concerned, I was gonna say yeah. I mean, I think it's you know, like I said, my experiences has been you know, uh, Phoenix. Um, uh, so I went to Phoenix System Open last January, and that was my first real time using BCP. Um, Check in was flawless. Uh, my only complaint there was, and I think they've since fixed this to their credit. There was a battery power issue and. I had a little thermal detonator in my pocket for six hours or for six rounds. And that was, I had to be very cognizant of low power mode and stuff. And like I said, I, I do know, believe they have fixed that issue. So thankfully, um, Seattle system open, we had a, a near miss. And I think there was a brief moment where D was sort of staring into the abyss, wondering if he was going to get his pairings or not. And, um, eventually it came through and then, um, and then yeah, LVO and then, um, you know, at Gen Con, we did paper slips, which has its own challenges sometimes because inevitably the wrong person says I dropped. You know, right. human error is always going to be an element in any of these, in, in, you know, in any of these systems. But yeah, so it's, right, I right. think, you know, it's, you know, I've used other products um, and we've had, you know, a smaller kit tournaments. We've used some other products and it's been pleasant and i think i like the 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 um their 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 th theories on data and data sharing but also that's a newer product and we're going to see what happens when they actually have to monetize themselves so that's uh because there is the reality of that that sometimes you know people put a product out and want to just get attract users and then it's like okay well now we can monetize which is sort of a modern software mo so Jeff, we'll see with other products what happens over time I wonder if I could take us out on a little mini rant. Jesus Christ, you don't have to ask me for permission. Go ahead, rant away. So, um, TOs, <laughs> listen to me. Please listen to me. Don't schedule your <laughs> meal breaks after round Thank two. You. Thank you. Schedule your meal breaks after round three. Um, look, 
there's there is nobody that is coming to your tournament that is not capable of getting dinner or getting a meal before the tournament and lasting four or five hours to a meal break after round three. After round three, everybody in the tournament has had a chance to figure out whether they want to drop or not. After round two, that's not the case. You have people that are going to be sitting there on the verge of dropping in their next game, wondering why they have to wait for an extra hour or hour and a half to play and then drop and then drive home. Yeah, I like this. I like this a lot too. I, I, this is something I know. Um, Austin Bono, when he ran the Sacramento Hyperspace Trial, did a round three lunch meal break, and that was yeah. like, it was amazing. That that tournament ran so well for the number of people yes. we had. Uh, at that so, TOs, give it and give it a thought. I know. Round three, not round two. I know it's tempting after round two because you're tired. You've been working yeah. longer than we have, but. For the for the sake of the of running the tournament smoothly, for the sake of people who don't want to sit there and agonize for an hour over their Burger King, whether they're just going to play one game and get crushed and go home, wait till round three. I want to I want to add yeah. I want to add one little thing onto that. Yeah, I, uh, I don't. It, it, I would like <clears throat> and, and Ryan and D. I love you both. Please re- uh, return to the old LVO tradition of starting things later in the day, it's Vegas. Let it be Vegas. It is Vegas. Like, I understand that nobody wants to be in these rooms until 10 or 11 o'clock. Vegas is a unique ecosystem. No one in their right mind wants to be awake at 8.15 after they just came home from the club at 4 o'clock. Second. Like, that's a, that's a great point for LVO specifically. I'm, I'm specifically talking about LVO. One of the earliest things about the Las Vegas Open was that we did not start playing 40K until like noon because everyone knew what that town is about. And, you know, I won't lie. I specifically skipped going out not once, twice during this weekend <laughs> because I had to be up at 7 o'clock. That – fucking sucked yeah yeah i uh i I definitely intentionally chose the friday heat to have a recovery day saturday was my uh i flew in i flew in thursday night um i up a little later than i probably should have been on thursday but it didn't hurt me on friday and then my partner she flew in later friday so then after swiss was over we went out, did Vegas Friday night. I think I went to bed 6 a.m. in the morning on Saturday, and I had all Saturday to have a lazy day. And then I went to bed early and like a good boy Saturday like night if, for if, Sunday morning. Excellent. If I do my time correct. I know Andrew Knuckles is also a huge uh, – he also hates the meal break in general. I've, I've, I chatted with him a number of times, and he said on his podcast of the Birmingham Barons, like, Especially for people yeah. who have buys at smaller tournaments, like you, sh- you do one round and then yeah, you're it's like- just it's look we're we're <laughs> adults, man. We can eat before the ter- before the tournament, and we can last long enough for the meal break to take part. Uh, you know, more than more than an hour, uh, you know three hours later, also, we can start, we can do if you that. start the event later. People can have yeah. time to actually fucking eat breakfast. But hey, 
Well, there you have it. That was my mini rant. It, uh, as it happened, it was seemed to be a popular one. Hey, uh, we will go ahead and wrap up our right, totally not need, LBO you don't related second round you don't... And scheduling segment. <laughs> uh oh. Was that, that Watt Tambor? I, I don't know what that? that was, but I think it means that there's going to be trouble in the editing process for me. Um, Robert, oh, no. Robert, thank you very much for joining us, sir. We hope to bring you back at the first available opportunity. Thanks for having me. Thank you, everyone, for listening. We will speak to you again next week. And good luck to everyone going Cheers. to the UK System Open this weekend. We will be watching with great and rapt attention. Yeah, have a good week. Bye, guys. Winning is not a sometime thing. It's an all-the-time thing. You don't win once in a while, and you don't do things right once in a while. You do them right all the time. Winning is a habit.